Patrick Pooch from the Carlton Footy Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Matt Shaw and Melbourne Football Club. This is Matt Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. My friends, that man is exactly who we're talking about today. Nat Fife, the captain of the Fremantle Footy Club, reigning Brownlow medalist, and to be honest, an absolute ripping human being as well. Nat Fife is number 16 in the 50 most relevant. To talk about this Fremantle docker, i got Jimmy on. Hello, mate. Hello, MJ. Hello, listeners. I made you suffer through a couple of bombers uh, just a few days ago, but now that we're getting into the teens, and really the latter part of the teens is just about to happen, we are talking about the most relevant players, really, across all salary cap formats of the game, and Nat Fife. Oh, my word, is one of the most most relevant midfielders we can talk about. Starting to get towards the end of his career, though, but very much still right in the prime. 28 years old, this midfielder had another really strong showing last year. Topped off with that Brownlow medal. 133 was his best score in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team last year against the Carlton Footy Club. While in Supercoach, 154 against the Hawks. In AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, one of his better seasonal averages. In fact, a career best, 104.9. And in the Supercoach, 119.9. The third time he's uh, cracked over that 119 barrier. In Supercoach, he is going to set you back around about 650k. In AFL Fantasy, just shy of 780. And in AFL Dream Team, just shy of $760,000. It's kind of phenomenal, Jimmy, when we think about Nat Five, two-time Brownlow medalist. Before we even look any more into the details and the data of what he's been able to do in football sense and in a fantasy sense, he is now going to be one of the all-time greats of the AFL ever. It is rarefied air. You pick up a best and fairest in the league twice. It's not a bad effort, is it? It's um, and and especially playing for a team as he has over the the last little while that hasn't experienced a whole lot of success. He's mm. um, he's been a rare shining light for him. And you're right, it is. You know, Gary Ablett's probably one of the only other players most recently that's won a Brownlow medal when he was playing at Gold Coast in a in a relatively poor performing team. But you know, Nat Fife was able to put that Fremantle Dockers midfield, in fact, the entire team on his back. He did it without Lockie Neal, who's really been one of his key supporters through that midfield unit, and he carried his team to. You know, almost 10 wins last year. Um, He's just a phenomenal footballer, is Nat Fife. Last year, right across the league, um, he ended up being third for contested possessions, sixth for clearances, 10th for total disposals. Um, To keep looking into some of those stats, um, the stats was actually 30 possessions that he was averaging a game last year. 18 of them contested. Went pretty reasonable disposal efficiency, considering... How much of contested ball he was winning? 70%, six score involvements, eight clearances on average a game, and five inside 50s. Could you imagine what he would be like in a side where you had some additional support and some forwards that would stay on the park and clunk the ball? My word. Oh, <laughs> you can imagine, and I mean, like, and and that shows too. Like in his Brownlow speech, he he thanked uh, midfielders of the caliber of uh, Darcy Tucker and uh, Reese Conker for for the support that in the midfield they gave him last year. And I think that says volumes about where um where that club's at, where his uh, midfield is at. But um, but he's still producing 
those sort of stats and figures and, and performances despite that. And and really, I think, yeah, we've yeah. Tell, tell me something I don't know, MJ. You've 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 told me the, um, for the last few minutes, Nat Fife is pretty good at football. I think we know that. Okay. Why am I picking him in Supercoach? Uh, well, it's not just Supercoach you're considering, but that's <laughs> certainly the format that he's at his strongest. Let's start with that one. Yeah. Uh, 20 games last year. So, you know, really mm-hmm. good numbers there. 17 tons last year. That's 17 not, out of 20? Not bad. Out of those hundreds? Not bad. 12 were over 120. Now we're talking ahead mm. into guys. Okay, 120. We're starting to go. That I could keep that as a captaincy yeah. score. Of those, absolutely, and 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 he's averaging one twenty with a high score of one fifty odd. Yeah, that's that's huge consistency at yeah, that yeah. one twenty mark too. And then of those tons, he had six over one forty. That's not very, very nice. bad. Like that's not bad to be able to convert twelve of your seventeen tons into one twenty plus. Like that's enough as a captaincy option. I know we always want more um, mm. as a, a fantasy footy community, but when you're playing the rolling lockouts, let's be honest. Even in Super Coach, mm-hmm. you got mm-hmm. your captain, your vice captain gets that one twenty one twenty one. It takes a little bit of the courage sometimes to be able to go. No, no, no. I'm, I'm going to put that captaincy on another option. So twelve at one twenty is great. Six of those. Into 140s? My word, he's good. And mm. just the three scores below 100 all year. Yeah, it's it's not bad. And and the as you spoke of that rolling lockout, the other handy thing with Fife is that more often than not, he plays on a Sunday afternoon, Yeah, uh, which means that if your vice-captain hasn't worked, he's not a bad little card to have up your sleeve as a, a backup captain if you need it. No, he's certainly pretty handy. That is no mistake about that. In Dream Team and AFL Fantasy, not as prestigious uh, in, in terms of his uh, high averages, uh, but still a best-ever career year through that format. 20 games, 14 tons. Gone is that myth that he can't get a ton in AFL Fantasy. Not bad, 14 mm-hmm. out of 20. And, again, the myth in the AFL Fantasy and Dream Team community is, okay, when he does get tons, he doesn't get big ones. Well, half of them were over 120 last year. Not bad. And he went under 75 just twice with a seasonal average of 104. Again, doing it in a side where he was carrying an entire midfield on his back. Yeah, it's it's the thing with him, isn't it? And I mean, he's not, as you say, he's, he's dispelled that myth that he can't get hundreds and he can't score decent hundreds for that matter. He doesn't have quite the same ceiling in Dream Team as he does no, in Supercoach. No they reward his style of play a lot better in that format. But uh, but even so, if you can um, you know, lock him away knowing you're getting a, a pretty solid uh, 105 or, or more possibly uh, throughout the year from him... Um, that's not a bad, not a bad thing. He can hurt you a little bit. Yep. Those um, those low scores that he does get on the odd occasion when he gets them, especially in Dream Team, are um, are awfully frustrating. But mm. he's more than likely than not to to make up for it the week after. Yeah, no, that's certainly true. If, if because he does win so much of his ball in and around the contest, you know, an elite overhead mark when he is required to do so, which is most of the time as well for Fremantle. But it is mm. because he's not as heavily rewarded through contested possession, which he's so phenomenal at. Yes, he, he lends himself more to Supercoach, and he's, that's where he's a ceiling, that where he is a week-in, week-out captaincy option. And we did see a couple of times teams send a tagger to him. We, we saw Carlton send Ed Kerno to him late in the year. Uh, that, um, you know, didn't really work, considering he got a 147 in Supercoach, 133 in Dream Team and Fantasy the, the week earlier. Harms shut him down. I was going to mention, yeah, it's the, the players I noticed that shut him down are the players that 
given a bit of time and experience um, and ambition, would want to be like Nat Fife, I think. They're the, that big-bodied, harder insider types. The James Harms, the Jack Steele, I think, got a hold of him at yes. one point um, before he got injured a little bit. And, um, you know, they're the, they're the types that, um, you know, can have a bit more of an impact on him if they sacrifice their game to just body him out of the way. Um, yeah, and you see a lot of free kicks paid both ways in those sort of contexts, yes, which sometimes works against him as well. But um, yeah, that's that's yeah the type that can get to him sometimes. But as you said, it it doesn't always work because um, Fife is that type of bull. But uh, when he's in the mind for it, no one's really going to stop him. No, um, he's not. talk to me about his body, MJ. Um, not in any sort of uh, um, admiring uh, way, distasteful kind of way. Yes, um, from an injury point of view, he he played twenty out of twenty two last year. Um, it's been one of those things with Fife where people have thought, um, you know, that that ongoing injury concern is a an issue for him because he did miss a few games in previous seasons. Where do you stand with him on that one? Well, I think that's the only real compelling case you can create for why you're choosing to pass on Nat Fife, and it's around the durability, especially in Supercoach. In AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, if you said to me, look, yes, I know he can get tons, I, I know he can get 120-plus scores, but... I, I just don't think he's got the frequency there enough. To, uh, fine, I'll, I'll hear your argument out. Durability for mm-hmm. me is the reason in any format you're talking not starting or trading in that five. And I think it's certainly a, a concern or a factor. You know, 20 games, 15 games, 21 games is his past three seasons. And then you go before that, mm. you've got to go back to 2011 um, since he played 20 games or more. But it's rare that he's not pushing around that 20-game marker. Um, only twice has he not gone anywhere near that um, since 2013 and so his durability yes it's not elite he's not Lockie Neal who doesn't miss games but it's also not as disastrous as sometimes we can make it out to be Uh, and I'm keen on your take like would you take again Mm -hmm. let's purely drill down on Supercoach would you take a guy that you know is capable of averaging 120 for Mm -hmm. 17 18 19 20 weeks a year maybe let's limit him at 20 Yep. Would you take that over a guy that you know can go 105, gosh, even a 110, but do that for 22 mm. weeks? Oh, look, I think in Supercoach, that um, that higher score, that higher frequency of ceiling and the, you know, that regularity with which he does pump out those um, those 120-plus scores are, makes him worth the risk a lot more so mm. um, than, than it does in the other formats. Um, in, in, in a dream team where he's one of many that average around that 105 mark that occasionally will go big, um, but not perhaps as big as some others, um, then I think when you look at that injury factor as another argument against him compared to other players mm. who have got a better history of durability, then, um, then yeah, I'll, I'll buy that excuse a lot more. In Supercoach, though, I think when you've got that potential for those scores that often, and when he's come off the back of yeah. um, you know a year as good as anyone, yep. um, and, and again, in which he's played 20 out of 22 with no real concerns over his physique, then um, you know, it, it's hard to pass on him in that format. Oh, and remember, through the preseason, he had elbow surgery. Um, and, yeah. you know, through the, the, the ill-fated AFL-X game, you know, he wasn't able to really do anything through that. So, again, he was coming off a, a very limited preseason to some regards through through that. I, I agree. When it comes to Nat Fife, fantasy, he's relevant because he's, mm-hmm. he's shown he can go on scoring runs and be a really, yep. really nice option for us. Just looking at last year from round 17, he went 128, 113, 104, 121. Just in, again, I know it's only five weeks of data, but but it shows he can do it and put those hundreds together. In Supercoach, there is risk associated with him, but it's a risk in both ways. 
The risk is yeah. you choose to start him and it'll cost you a trade because somewhere potentially down the line, something will happen to his body and you're forced to trade or hold him for two to three weeks and play a cash cow. That's one mm. risk. The risk yeah. on the other side is you go against him because he might get injured, but he's one of the few premium midfielders in that format we have that if you don't own them, he can take a season away from you in a month. That's it, very, very quickly. And when we look at the numbers now, it's still pretty early days, uh, you know, first week of February and all, but uh, he's currently owned in about 40% of teams in Supercoach, so that's a lot of coaches you're up against yeah. um, who have got him if you don't. It, it's... It it's not a worrying sign, but it's certainly an interesting mm. one. You look at those top-level super coach premiums, 30% own Jack McRae, 26% own Lockie Neal. Um, that 40% you've talked about with Nat Fife, these are all, um, you know, maybe we'll see McRae, <coughs> maybe, in the 50 most relevant. Mm. Dunkley's up at 17%. Cripps is over 50% um, in terms of his ownership. Dangerfield, wonder if he'll we'll see him in the 50 most relevant at 30. Josh Kelly, probably the most lowly owned of all of them at 10%. We're talking about the guys yep. that have got the top averages in Supercoach last year. He's he's not got the highest ownership of those boys. He's up there, but gosh. He's up there. But yeah, him and Cripps. A, there's a few betting against him at the minute, and yeah. I don't mind that. Yeah, it's it's not unique Let's you know to go against mm. him, but gosh, there's risk either side, and I think it's which risk do you feel more comfortable taking? Because you're either yep. risking, knowing that you might have to trade him out, or you're risking that you're going to go against him, and it's not like he doesn't have the history of braining it. No, exactly right. Exactly right. Where do you take him in the draft, MJ? Well, that's the interesting thing. I, I think in Supercoach, um, he's, mm. he's a lock M1. Um, yep. Inside the, it, no question. How, what mm. happens inside those first five picks of a Supercoach draft fascinates me. With the news, in, yeah. the you know, the injury news around Max Gorn, that might temper some people because he was probably a top five pick in a super coach draft. Lockie Whitfield, mm-hmm. I think, was um, and is, as is a Brody Grundy. I do see a world where if I've got a late first round pick, like I'm talking pick eight, nine, or ten, I can yep. see a world in super coach where Fife is still there. People will choose the durability of a McRae or a Neal. They'll they'll see Dangerfield and go, oh, that's value. I'm going to jump on him. Um, I, I can see a world. Yeah, yeah, the hype of Dunkley. I, I can see a world and go, gosh, I've got to get a forward, mm-hmm. so I'll go and get Dusty too. Um, yep. I see a world where he's a becomes a late first-round selection, but you'll get the value of a top three pick. Yeah, yep. Can't argue with that. That's a not a bad situation to find yourself in in that sort of format. Um, in a, a Dream Team or Fantasy uh, Ultimate Footy type of draft, though, I think he goes a fair bit later, just quietly. Okay, when we say fair bit later, are we talking another round or another two or three? Um, I, for me, I'd, I'd be thinking a, a third round is about the time I'd be comfortable to, to take him. Yep. Um, I wouldn't want him as my M1 in, in Fantasy or Dream Team. Um, nope. not, to, not that there's anything necessarily wrong with him, but um, I think, uh, you know, again, when there's quite a number of uh, midfielders that average around that 105 sort of mark yeah. that um, you know perhaps have a couple less question marks over him. You know, as as good as an absolute gun player he is. Yeah. Um, yeah and I don't mean to detract from that no, at all. No, not at all. Um, in that sort of a format, there are there are probably a number of other mids I'd be more comfortable taking uh, in the first and even the second round, and and that's notwithstanding, uh, you know, potentially the opportunity to take. Uh, you know, uh, a Lloyd or a Grundy or a, a Dusty or whoever else uh, on any of the other lines uh, somewhere in between. So 
But, um, yeah, I think he's, yeah, a third, maybe even nudging slightly into the fourth, potentially. Yeah, on the turn, perhaps. Is there a mm. world where you'd be happy to take him as, as your M1? Knowing, not because you're picking him in the opening couple, you know, two rounds, but is there a world where you go, yeah. I'm going to lock away Dusty, I'm going to lock away a, a Rory Laird in, in your second... I don't know, maybe that's not the way you'd choose to draft, but just picking names <laughs> for name's sake. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You're going to lock away a ruck or a forward and a defend. You're going to get two of those three, and then you're entering into mm-hmm. the third round, and you're starting mm-hmm. to see guys like Clayton Oliver and Mitch Duncan and Stephen yeah. Cornelio go off the board. Is that where you go, yep, I'm happy to have Fife as an M1, or in no circumstance um, would yeah, you do no, that? No, it does, it does. At that point, if you've been able to find you know, top-level opportunities in the other lines first, to the point where it's become worthwhile neglecting your midfield for those first couple of rounds, mm. then, yeah, sure, why not? Um, there's, it's not to say that he can't be your M1, um, yeah, not, not to contradict myself by too much, but I wouldn't want to be picking him in the first three rounds as my M1. It, if it's M1, it's at the start of the fourth, and that's because I've found excellent opportunities elsewhere yep. um, for whatever reason. Yeah, look, I, I, I think yeah. I agree. And, and, and for, for, for other names to throw into that equation, if that's where... Um, yeah, potentially you've taken a, a Grundy in round one yep. um, as your, your first or second pick, or Whitfield perhaps. Um, on the turn, um, people have been scared off uh, a Gorn or maybe Toby Green sitting there at that point on the you know, at the end of the second round. And uh, in the third, then you've um, gone and taken a... Jeez, oh, I don't know who's sitting around that point of mark. Maybe Hooley at the sure. the back there. Um, Sicily, you know, maybe. You're rounding yeah. up with three... Yeah, three players that are all very capable of averaging around that hundred sort of mark on those other lines, which arguably is more valuable than a one hundred five point midfielder. Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, I I agree. I think any earlier than the third mm. round in a dream team and fantasy draft, you're just yeah. reaching for him, and you don't have to do that. If he slipped mm-hmm. to the fourth round, man, you'd start to feel like coaches might be overvaluing yeah. forwards at that point if you're able to get him in the fourth round. But you That's would take thing. it, and, and it really just depends on. Who else is on the table at, at that sort of time? Um, yeah, in that sort of format. Yeah, it's there's uh, a lot of players priced at about the same mark that he is. Yep. One of a better way of putting things, or that you could foreseeably see average around that same sort of mark. Yeah. Um, yeah, and in, in a dream team sort of format, as you say, you've got players like Lockie Neal and uh, Cornelio, who I think both will go before him despite yep. averaging less. Yep, no, fair enough too. Yeah, Pendles as well. Yeah, Pendles is also in that marker, as is the Bonto. Mm. Uh, mate, appreciate your thoughts today as we talked about the number 16 player in the 50 most relevant, Nat Fife. No worries, mate. Good fun. Uh, if you want to go and check out the article on him, you can go and do that now at coachespanel.tv. All the links for all the other players revealed in the 50 most relevant. You can go back and check them out. If you are loving these podcasts, make sure if you haven't already, subscribe and follow to them via the wherever you choose to get your podcast from and leave a five-star rating and review. Tomorrow, I'm getting the Phantom back. Yep, from the advertiser, from the, from the Phantom's lair. Yep, his podcast, he's back. Who will it be tomorrow at number 15? I'll tell you in like 24 hours.